Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 8, titled Who Rules the Land of Denial? Who do you think it is? Mr. Wrench. Is it uh, DJ Qualls? Does he rule the Land of Denial? No. <laughs> I think it's Emmett. Emmett uh, rules the Land of Denial. Emmett? Yeah. Because he's in denial? He's in denial about having won the war, having having won his life in the war. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe the guy, the uh, guy who held out and fought World War Two uh, for thirty years. He definitely rules. He ruled Onada, like he built the land of denial. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think of this episode? Uh, man, I'm having a real hard time deciding because I definitely was not engaged with it for the first like half, basically really? until we went to Gloria. Wow, I thought uh, that was the best part. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if I just wasn't. I wasn't in the right state to watch it at that point because I didn't dislike the beginning. Uh It's just I, like, it almost just watched. And I watched the thing twice, and still, the second time, it just kind of, like, was there as opposed to really hitting me. The second half I like Hmm. a lot. Um, I think think this episode was amazing, and I know that surprised a lot of people because I got a lot of feedback uh, with people being nervous that I would not like the supernatural introduction into Fargo. And honestly, Hmm. okay. There's a couple things I want to say about that. Number one, after two seasons of Fargo pulling this crap, um, I said that I was consciously kind of like trying to open myself to like, this is a thing that Fargo does. This is a part of the Coen Brothers Mm -hmm. uh, universe that they're trying to play homage to. And I have since watched a lot more Coen Brothers films. Like I plugged... I think all of the holes, like uh, the I don't I don't think there's a single Coen Brothers film that I have not seen yet. Hmm. So this this seems like it borrows a lot from uh, the Big Lebowski, uh, but also sure. borrows a lot from a serious man that introduces a lot of concepts of Jewish mythology and the concept of hmm. spirits that can attach spirits of the dead that can attach to living people and 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 uh, you know only be freed if they accomplish a particular mission um and i so so and and also here's the other difference i guess because i've described myself as a lore whore that i love like when something like 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 game of thrones is full of it where uh you know you'll hear about a house or a particular sword mentioned and you can dig on that thing and just like fall down a wikipedia hole and just spend hours figuring finding more information it's just like it's a never ending thing and unlike the fishnado, which you just have to accept or not, unlike the UFO, which is just an unexplainable phenomenon and you can't, there's no more. This Jewish mysticism, mm. oh, I just kept on going down and down and down. And like <laughs> all the stuff that Roy Wise was saying and the fact that he's quoting prophecies from Obadiah and the Obadiah was uh, uh, a, a book of judgment written against a tribe of Esau, which is the older brother of uh, Jacob. Um, and you know, and now we've got particular, uh, potentially Nikki delivering these words of judgment to Emmett's. Um, I, I felt like I, I, there was something that as I tugged on it, it got more and more rewarding the more I read on it. And whereas the previous seasons, they just felt like a matter of fact, well, this is something crazy is happening. You swallow it. And I don't, yeah. I don't want to fight with people who liked it because, and I'm not even certain that this moment is meant to be that moment for this season of Fargo. You know, there may be something a little more sure. like the UFO there might or be something. the Fishnado that's There might be up. something. I mean, clearly Ray Wise's character, who I, is an allusion to the mythological wandering Jew. Mm-hmm. Have you? So are you? did you see any of this I saw stuff? The, yeah, I, I, 
so I kind of skimmed Reddit for some stuff because uh, I knew that there was more to dig on, but I also figured you were probably going to do a lot of digging on it. Um, and I wanted yep. to kind of have a little bit of a perspective to sit back and say, okay, well, what what do I need to know about this to to understand what they're getting at? Because I know basically nothing about it. And that's it. the thing. Like, I think you can you can treat this as a fishnade or a UFO and just shrug your shoulders and say like, okay, well, this is just, a, suppose, yeah. this is just a weird thing. And, and maybe it'll all be illuminated in the fullness of time. Cause I think we're supposed to understand that this bowling alley is like a purgatory, the yeah. Jewish concept of purgatory yeah. that it's essentially like waiting at the pearly gates, right? Yeah. Like for your judgment. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's, that's, is it's, it Peter it's, at the gate? It's it's, it's an analogy. It's like it wouldn't be per- it'd be uh, Gehenna, is what they call it uh, uh, in in Jewish tradition. Okay, um, but I just I don't know. I felt like that 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 depth where you didn't have to, but if you went searching for it, it was there, and yeah. maybe there's some clues about what they're trying to allude to. And I don't know. I get, and also I'm just a little bit more open to mysticism and supernatural things in Fargo because I am trying to appreciate that Fargo is a celebration of all the Coen Brothers' works. And you'd be an ignorant ass if you said that none of that stuff is in their works. Like you can say, (laughs) like, well, you know, there's no supernatural thing in um, No Country for Old Men. You might be right, but like, there's a lot of that stuff in their works. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't pay off, there's a lot of illusions and things in the in, in the periphery that is that is spooky and the, the things, you know, like all kinds of theories and stuff. And so I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I I felt like the scene of Mr. Wrench taking on these guys in defense of Nikki was just a, like an amazing, like cheering moment. Um, yeah, I just couldn't get past the fact that we know these guys have guns. Why don't they use them? That's so like, okay. Th- th- I, I got stuck in the logistics of the thing and couldn't appreciate just the beauty of it because you're right. It was beautiful. I'm trying to think because I was trying. I That's the one problem where you just have to not worry about it because <laughs> in a world where they're going to engineer a massive bus wreck that would be so fucking loud – yeah. and disruptive the idea that they don't have any guns at all they do they fire guns they kill the cop the cop's got a gun like wait pick up that gun yeah well okay, yeah, he's yeah. reaching he's fumbling for his gun and they kill him and but two shots go off and well right but i for whatever reason they're not using guns right and they didn't bring guns but there's no reason not to and that's that's yes. the thing i don't understand <laughs> i mean i was trying to think like well maybe they didn't want it to look like it's an escape rather than, but like no they're they're song... they built a fucking ramp yeah for and they this left bus. it there so yeah um i yeah I, you 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 got me there and I, I and again i don't i i i can't explain why i like this and just completely accepted all that shit oh but i think you're right though it is gorgeous to look at and that that scene of numbers uh or sorry wrench doing mm-hmm. his thing is phenomenal yeah like when he like, stands up and just punches that pig <laughs> yeah. in the face and they kind of have that like swell of music that's like a real like fist like a you know and then they just uh, like there's the passion of the wrench too. He takes an arrow and he gets stabbed in the back, and then uh, Nikki gets shot in the crossbow, and um, he throws a desperation hatchet and yeah. takes off the dude's ear. Like that stuff's all yeah. all all cool and just believable enough, especially if you add the idea of divine providence to it. Right, like that. This is like some kind of protected mission by God, and that there somebody's looking out after. Ni- and that also doesn't quite make sense because Wrench and Nikki are not innocent babes in the woods. Sure, yeah. Like, Nikki murdered a dude, and if, if my theory is right that this guy didn't even kill Stussy, his only crime is 
being manipulated by Ray mm-hmm. uh, and being a, a, a pinhead. Yeah. Uh, why she is single? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, that there's a little, there's a, something even biblical in that. Like the Apostle Paul was named Saul before right. that, yeah. and he was one of the leading persecutors of the of the apostles and disciples of Jesus. Like yeah. he bragged about how many that he delivered unto death and how many he persecuted. And then he got struck on the road to Damascus and he became the apostle Paul. So yeah, there's precedence for all that in, in, in mythology. So I, I liked it. Um, and I thought it was exciting. And then the second half was absorbing. And I liked the fact that Emmett is trying to turn the tables. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like there was a, there was a red on the, uh, Fargate five, thread on reddit also known as fargo tv yep uh that uh, someone speculated that varga miscalculated by taking out Psy because that's the last thing that Emmett cared about mm-hmm. and now it's just him and his own life which he doesn't even value at this point and yeah. Vargas, and he so it's like by taking that last thing he cared about and taking it off the board and putting him in a coma and and I thought it was telling that, that Ray decides to fake, you know, taking a medic. Not Ray, sorry, Emmett decides to fake taking a medication when Varga's like, you know, size dead, and he's like, "What?" Or in a coma, and and, and Varga's like, "Whatever." Like he just realizes that like it's now or never. Yeah. And he summons up a little act of courage to rebel against Mimo and Varga, and and I feel like um, what'll happen now? You know, Varga's plan. So so I think, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have eliminated Psy after all that's gone down, but there was also the monkey wrench thrown in of uh, Ray and Nikki eliminating the family as some, some collateral, you know, some leverage for Varga. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like Varga would have, you know, taken out Emmett, taken Emmett's family out of the picture. Mm-hmm. He would have used that as a tool to control Emmett um, if he could. But then, yeah, he does go and take the final straw, which is Psy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do feel like you know, Nikki has been a thorn in the side of Varga as much as a thorn in the side of Emmett the whole mm-hmm. time, um, kind of wrecking both of their plans. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the the guy in the bowling alley, whoever you think that is, uh, said as much. Okay. Hey, before we get into further into the episode, I want to talk about some stuff that's going on at baldmove.com this week. First of all, um, if you do nothing else to support us, we've got a survey, an audience survey right now that you can participate in at fargo.baldmove.com. Uh, it takes just a couple of minutes to complete. It's completely anonymous. You, we don't even take your email address. There's no way we can hassle you about it. Uh, it just asks us how we are doing in our various shows and how we are satisfying you as an audience member and collect some anonymous demographics data to help us uh, sell advertising in the future. So if you could uh, help us out, go to fargo.baldmove.com. The link's also in the show notes. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, click on it through that, that would really help us out, and I'd appreciate it. Uh, secondly, of course, we've already got uh, the the final coverage of the leftovers. We've got Better Call Saul out this week. Now we got Fargo. Who won the week? That's coming up on Bald Move TV, where Jim and I debate which of those three series uh, had the best outing, and it's going to be a tough one this week. Uh, we've had a great run of first run bald movies. We did a spoiler filled edition of Wonder Woman, which was awesome. We saw The Mummy last night, which better than i thought it would be yeah it's not the worst thing i've ever seen you can my voice is going up three octaves so it's a little skip but it's better um you can get the spoiler free edition for free or if you're a club member you can get the full meal deal uh our commission podcast of the week was the fugitive Mm -hmm. uh so if you want to go relive some 90s mid-budget thriller fun check that out it's it's free on baldmove.com as well 
Uh, but yeah, check it out. So let's start talking about, I guess, a focused way. Do you? Because because the one hour thing I really want to talk about, I, I, I kind of want to jump to the end here and and talk about um, the confession, the decision to confess. Yeah, like like the fact that they did this time jump where yeah. Ray's and they. I, I guess that's the other. Let's start there with Ray getting poisoned because that's the other thing. There's two things in this episode that I felt like were awfully big contrivances. Didn't ruin the episode for me, but. If it does, I don't blame you. The fact that they didn't use guns in the beginning, because none of this would have happened if anybody had a pistol. DJ Qual's head just kind of sitting there for a while. Well, that <laughs> I I, I want to talk about that here in a minute. Because did you notice okay. that DJ Qualls was credited as the Golem? Well, no, the Golem rather, which mm-hmm. is another. Do you know the the Jewish mythology around that? That that's a I I know the term, but that's, I don't that's, know what it means. that's a being that was made out of clay yeah. and then animated through Jewish myth- mysticism. Uh, which that whole s- teaching, I think, is called Kabbalah, if you take it all, like the Jewish mysticism, okay. uh, that, that it's a being made out of mud or clay that can be animated to to do a mission. So I think that's an intention, like, because I don't think it's possible to behead someone with right, two people not. pulling on a chain. And if it is, it rips it rips right off. Right. <laughs> like, but but if there. it's like, 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 think about how, like, have you ever seen a person that, like, they, they throw the clay on the wheel and they spin it and they make a vase? And mm-hmm. the last step is they always take, like, a, a, a piece of twine or wire yeah. and they slice through the bottom and it makes a nice clean cut. Uh, and then they lift it off. I feel like it's supposed to be an analogy towards this guy being, like, literally conjured out of out of okay. malevolence. Yeah. It's all sense. supernatural bullshit, but, mm-hmm. like, at least it kind of tracks clean with what I think they're doing there. Yeah. Uh, the second contrivance, why the fuck does Sai accept a cup of tea from Varga without any protest at all? I mean, I don't, I don't think he has a choice. Like, no, but... He doesn't if, like he doesn't he just willingly accepts it, and that felt like so far out of character. Now I get the side's been beaten down. Yeah, I mean that seems like side to me, and, and that's what I'm I'm rolling with. Like this is a this is not the guy who goes in and resists drinking out of the dick cup. This is the guy right. who's cried in front of his wife and who no longer sees himself as fully a man. And uh, but it's still like oh that's 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 a it's awfully convenient for Varga that he just unquestioningly drinks that hmm. tea. Same so thing if he doesn't, he's dead in that scene. Probably. I think they just kill him, but I don't. I don't. But I. I like. I'm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying like what was true to the character, and I'm just not sure. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, okay, so I. I don't know where I fall on this, but if I'm gonna play like the other side, I would say here's a man who has been through the cup thing once and tried to refuse a drink. That didn't work out for him. He mm-hmm. could do it again, or he could just accept his fate in that moment. Right. Uh, I don't know. But there was no, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was no, like, I'm doing this, but against my better judgment. There's no, like, I'm doing this under protest. There's no, like, it was just a matter of fact. Here, drink a cup of tea. Yeah, I, th- I think he should have said no to the to the tea. Like, when he asks him, how about a cup of tea, then he should have said no. Yeah. And they should have brought it for him anyway, just like they did the dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, then, then that would seem like it's a, a, you know, kind of a repeating rhyme in this, this song of the season instead of, like, just a... But again, it's it's not super important. Yeah. Uh, but he goes into the office and throws up, and he's got chunks of stuff in his mouth. And like, I Pretty swear, to God, this this yeah. show is trying to get me to hate it because I'm I hate throwing up. I hate thinking about it, <laughs> and they just keep shoving it down my throat or shoving it out my throat. Whatever. Yeah. 
And he's like, oh, that's not right. Falls, hits his head, goes into a coma, and then we time jump three months. We're now on March 15th. Mm-hmm. Which, do you know the significance of March 15th, the Ides of March? No. That's the day that Julius Caesar was betrayed by his friends. And his wife okay. uh, had a – I think it's his wife. Maybe I'm getting him and Pontius Pilate confused. But uh, that, that, that this was uh, – he said, hey, you got to you know, beware the Ides of March. Um so we we see that that this day when when Emmett's in the hospital looking at him and now you know size bristled out into beard. Did you have a problem with like the time jump? No, huh? Because I no, not at all. I didn't have a problem with it, but I was briefly disappointed that we weren't going to see any kind of epic battle between Gloria and because I thought this was all going to resolve around Christmas time. Right. Yeah. It it seems like it's still coming. Um, you know she's gonna like. What is she going to do against Varga, right? That's right. the big question now. Yeah. Um, the woman who can't be located yeah. by any kind of digital means versus the guy Doesn't who... have a Facebook account. Although, I wonder if there are more computers in the office now. I wonder if she's got <sighs> some true. kind of trace. That's true. Um, hmm, that's very true. I also like the touch of Winnie and Gloria fighting their two-woman front on the Stussy, uh, the Stussy War. Like, they're using their... like they Just <laughs> coming to the hospital for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're on their oh lunch. no, we're yeah. just here for shepherd's pie. And who knew that you were going to be you know right. you were going to be there? And I wonder what um, what Mo thinks about that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Dusty's like I've complained to your Off superiors and you know doing all this, and they just 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 dogged pursuit of this guy. Yeah, we did we did speculate that Mo would not keep her on uh, after this case after after the week where you know she was still chief. Apparently he did. Now they are stuffed into the supply closet, so yeah. it looks. And she's on shit detail. Uh, she's serving people eviction notices, and that seems like it's kind of yeah. you know soul crushing. But I, I don't. Know, I was a little disappointed to leave the Christmas season in Fargo. Although, my God, uh, a lot of these Christmas songs have been going to be ruined for me. Like uh, <laughs> "Deck the Halls," these, uh-huh. these poor poor couple get massacred just because they drove down the wrong. Although, here's another question: Why the hell did they not flip a 360 in the air? Oh, with the ramp? Yeah. Yeah, that's a damn fine question. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's like, oh, my God, Ma, there's a pipe in the road. Well, you better steer around it, Herb. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, I feel like that they would have just come down, barreling down, and, and, and ran into it. Yeah, that's a really good question. It would have been kind of funny if you'd have seen, like, this 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 yellow <laughs> minivan corkscrewing through the air of fa-la-la-la-la yeah. and bodies going everywhere. Like, that That would have been just as funny and just as horrific on the next day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, who the time jump mm-hmm. who is fucking with Emmett? I have my idea. I want to see what you think. This is interesting. So I I was wondering if it isn't in fact that like Nikki is Nikki and Rinch are some kind of ghost, like literal ghost. Could be. Like they no longer have a physical presence, but they're able to influence the physical surroundings. They're and, on a mission from God. Right. Um because we, you know, we we have a lot of faith in Mimo's competency, I suppose. Yes. Even though he's a guy who perpetually has earphones in and is dancing around like a fool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that it would just be simple, uh, a very simple matter to sneak in past him and put a mustache on Emmett while he's passed out, which was maybe the best part of this episode for mm-hmm. me. Especially when he sees it reflected out of like he's, <laughs> he's like urine. he's like pissing in Darth Vader's face is yeah. what it felt like with that toilet. It's very dark. Um. But yeah, the scene reflection in the the pea stained water was kind of funny, and also harkens back to the third episode from when the uh, the Innis Stussy 
uh, saw his reflection in the toilet. And um, do you? So I, I think it's because when I first saw it, I thought what they're getting at was the Emmett's losing his mind and he's having a psychotic break where he's doing like mm. uh, season one Kevin from the leftovers. And he's, he's putting that stuff up inadvertently. Yeah, yeah, like and then forgetting about it, and then yep. he passes out and he he wakes up and also possible, I think. Yeah, but I think now that I've done a little research into what they're getting at the bowling alley, I, I think you're right. I think that there is a potential supernatural event angels of, of Nikki that's doing this because she yeah it seems like um, well this man it's hard to get into one without getting in the other <laughs> for sure um, so the other thing I want to talk about before we get go rewind and go back to the, the beginning is um, they talk about Yuri as being a participant in a massacre that happened 250 years ago mm-hmm um the of this this Jew this Jewish settlement by the Cossacks um and how he was part of there and they also in in the uh, a serious man they talk about and I'm not going to try to pronounce any of these Jewish terms because I'll just butcher them but this concept of a of a of a of a ghost a soul that that can't leave the earth because they're troubled or they're cursed and they attach they attach to different living bodies and implying that kind of uh, that Yuri is, and, and they also mention him like he is, he's murdering this uh, Helga character in East Germany. That's how we start up this. Mm-hmm. That maybe that this is a spirit that's possessed of various uh, 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 um, a, a, a different type of person and becomes this Yuri character over and over and over again until he finally meets his divine judgment in the end. Could be. My question is: Are we supposed to understand that this hero Onada might have possessed Mimo? Is that the connect? Because you've got Yuri. And you've got this this Japanese looking guy, and they mentioned this oh. guy that fought in World War II and never stopped the battle. Now I did some research into him. He's a real life guy. He di- he didn't die until 2014. Hmm. Okay, but and they also talk about the the Ray comes back as a kitten. So like I'm not sure if like when a vengeful spirit t- possesses you, did they do it at birth or is it something like you know a guy's just a regular dude and then this vengeful spirit latches onto you and, and commandeers your body? I'm not I'm not sure, but I thought it was an interesting parallel well i thought that that story i mean it's being told to emmett by varga and i think like the story of the japanese uh man on the island uh, applies to emmett because he's needlessly fighting a war he's already won and torn and right like this guy lived up in the mountains for 30 years he's the last one fighting and he's yeah he's taking all this risk and all this deprivation and wasting his life for something that's 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 already been fought and won yeah or fought and lost that's the other thing is like Hero Onada right. is not a guy who was fighting a, a war he already won. He was fighting a war that's already been lost. And, and in, I, I mean, it's weird because Emmett is both, right? He's won a war in that he now has this like super successful company and he's rich yeah. and like they're doing better than ever financially, but like he's lost the war in that his company is now run by this evil presence and yeah. he's lost his family and his friends. Like, yeah, he's, it's a zombie company. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's no longer animated by his own will. Yeah, he's both won and lost. I would he's say. lost everything. The things that were important yeah. to him, family, friends, right. respect of his peers, uh, he has lost in, in this pursuit. Yep. Um, so, okay, I'm kind of with you, but I saw that theory floating around on Fargate V, and uh, I mm. wanted to talk okay. about it. So let's... Do, do we want to talk? I mean, do we want to talk just about the the awesomeness of Wrench taking on these guys? Do we want to just talk about the? Because I, I mean, that is what it is. Like, yeah, I mean, that's there. That's just on full display. Yeah, Wrench, Wrench is awesome. Uh, Wrench has always been a badass. 
I thought Nikki was kind of ungrateful when she was complaining about, oh, God, I'm chained to a deaf guy. Well, if you were chained to some d- dumbass, you right. wouldn't have made out of that bus. That's true. You thank yeah. God you're chained to this particular deaf guy. The breaker of chains. Like, you got to take that title from Daenerys and give it to Rinch yeah, because th- that's twice. Yeah, shit, yeah. And that's the first, the first time I watched it, I'm like, did they establish in season one that he was, like, superhumanly strong? But in subsequent watches, I they were always mm-hmm. careful that he was – he was doing that to already damaged chains. Like this right. one had been through a bus wreck, and then he had whacked it with. But an there's axe no weld on that link, which on that ring. Well, I mean, I, I think that you're supposed to understand that, like, it, it probably was spot welded, but like during the impact that you know him and Nikki's bodies put against, like that it might have just rinsed it a little bit open and broke mm. the weld. I didn't see any welds, but okay. um, and then the other the the other link the other chain was just cut, so yeah. and he just had to force it open, which is still pretty damn strong. But mm-hmm. I guess believable. and it was both of them; they were both putting their yeah. weight into it. So yeah. I think you could probably do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just thought like, okay, whatever. It is this stuff is all pretty awesome. We already talked about the golem part. Um. Uh. I thought it was it was really funny that uh, I thought Yuri's was going to get shot by that kid's dad the 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 dad's kid like yeah. you know like because when he shot got shot in the head i'm like oh that's a fatal wound but then like no nah, it hit him in the wolf pie like it didn't yeah. didn't look like it was going into his head at all no it hit him in the the wolf hat but it's such a funny coincidence mm-hmm. um so let's talk about the bowling alley okay go to the bowling alley and ray wise sidles up to uh uh, Nikki here, in very much the same way the cowboy sidles up to the dude. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a that's a definite Fargo or not Fargo, definite um, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski reference. And they talk about life being suffering, and he 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 gives him this kitten that she says his name is Ray, and he talks about the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, who is this rabbi that lived a couple hundred years ago. Uh, he was born a couple years after the American Revolution, so he's about this is the two hundred fifty years ago. And he was famous because he took this Jewish mysticism, the Kabbalah, where they talk about, you know, golems and spirits and all the, like, extracurricular, not in the, you know, (laughs) Old Testament uh, kind of thing. And he Uh. he was, like, had this rigorous Jewish scholarship. So he tried to meld this, like, this, this history of Jewish mysticism with, like, you know back to the original text and explain it and how it's like a unified system. And again, this is just me doing three hours of research and reading a lot of Wikipedia articles. So I'm not claiming to be a Jewish scholar. (laughs) Right. Um, But there's a lot of there's So so he, he, he also has a lot of, uh, he he spouts a lot of Jewish stuff, for example. Um, Like um, when he, he says that he, he, the first like Jewish thing he says, well, first Jewish thing he says is, is Yiddish for troubles. Like you have troubles. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the second thing he says is he quotes from Psalms 94 and says, Oh Lord, avenging God, show thyself avenging God. Um, then, uh, what was the other thing he says? Oh, the, the second thing, he, the third thing he says is he quotes from Obadiah, uh, chapter one, verse one. Obadiah actually only has one verse or one chapter. It's the shortest book in the Hebrew Bible. Hmm. Um, but this, this, uh, and, and he, he's, he's, he quotes it in English. Um, but he, this, 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 this book of Obadiah is a prophecy as I mentioned against the nation of, uh, Edom. Nation of Edom is like the, 
anti-Israelites. Like Edom was given birth. Like the, the father of Edomites is Esau, Jacob's brother. The Israelites are all spawned from Jacob, who later was renamed Israel. Um, and apparently during the, the troubles of the Jewish people, when they were like Jerusalem was destroyed and they were taken into bondage, the Edomites were doing insults to them. And God was sent Obadiah, who himself was an Edomite, uh, to, to prophesy a, a vengeance upon them. And it does seem like, and then, um, after she, Nikki says, do me a favor when the Gophers play, put a little beer in a bowl and put, put little Ray in front of the game. He says, let's. Lech lecha, lech lecha, which translates into go forth, which is what Ab- God told to Abram in Genesis 12, when he, chapter 12, when he said, go take the promised land. Hmm. Okay. So it's, it's the idea of like she has received a divine commission and she is to go forth and fulfill it. Sure. Um, so, again, we, we talked about how the two brothers are very similar to the Bible story of Esau and Jacob. In fact, uh, Varga himself has made that connection. It seems like Nikki's role now is to give this divine judgment uh, uh, against uh, against yeah. uh, Emmett. And th- that's the thing. Like, you don't need to understand any of these words. Right. Because he says them in, uh, if not plain English, then a little bit of allegory here or right. whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I, none of that surprises me, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, it, it almost seems redundant. Like, why is this guy still speaking in this other language that she doesn't understand <laughs> when he's also saying the same thing in English. Well, cause I think it's there. If like, if you want to, you know, look into the book of Obadiah and you want to look against in, into this, uh, you know, this Hebrew guy and that opens up the world of evil spirits and golems. And then sure. a lot of the episode that is otherwise kind of head scratching starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. You don't need it. You can just be like, Oh, it's Fargo being Fargo. But there's, I guess that's why I like it oh, more than the fishnado and the UFO is that there's a lot of there there, it seems like. Sure. So, um, but yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, Yuri comes and he seems like, uh, Yuri's gone now because we don't see him in the flash forward. It's just Vargan and Mimo. It seems like this. He's vin- dead. Yeah. Vengeful spirit was judged and by I, God. I actually didn't need to see the scene with Yuri inside the bowling alley. I thought they could have simply left it at Yuri looking at the bowling alley and walking toward it. But it adds a lot to that mystical flavor, like the fact that he was judged by these condemned souls. Because that's the other thing about this Rabbi uh, Nachman is he believed, like you yeah, know, they talked about these Jews that were slaughtered in Uman. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they mentioned this in an episode, but it's a fact that he, Rabbi Nachman, wanted to be buried. Uh, no, they do mention that, the fact that his soul yeah, would bind and give peace. And yep. he encourages his followers to... Um, during the during during the Jewish New Year to always return to his grave and kind of have a communion. I guess like twenty thirty thousand male Jews hmm. descend upon this area in Uman every year and have this kind of like wake party observation thing. Uh, and that he's channeling all these spirits, these these this disquieted spirits of the Jews to judge Yuri at this moment and kill him. I guess. But I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. It was like mysticism mm-hmm. that kind of all tracks through. And and everything there in the episode has a, a nice underpinning and that, that, that ties it to it. Yeah, I wonder. So for the people who I guess don't, I, I guess you kind of have to understand that this is not literally actually happening to these people. Um, like Nikki. It? Well, not in the real world, like the quote unquote real world. I don't think this is actually a bowling alley. I don't think this is actually like a physical place on Earth. I think this is something else. And if you, if, 
if you don't get that, mm-hmm. I don't know where you go from here in Fargo. Like, well, so let me let's because I want to talk about that because I I had a similar thought that like, well, this is just this is this is very the leftovers and this is some kind of weird purgatory place. Um, and I think that you're kind of right, but I also think that they I, are. I almost think it's without a doubt. Well, but I, I think they go into a real bowling alley. That then becomes this that like that this, uh, this. I didn't think so when they look over the, when they see this light coming from the hill. Yeah, I very I much it. think it it has an otherworldly presence. To I it. think so too, but also this is the Midwest and like bowling alleys can be in the middle of cornfields and you know it's like it, sure. it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. But but here's the thing. They leave in a green Volkswagen, yeah. which he says is ironic, ironic because, if you know, because yeah. it's all that, – that's, that's Hitler's car. Uh-huh. Um, but to me, the way he said, like, um, you know, my my compatriots wanted to keep Mr. Wrench here, but I argued that he's on a better path because he's helping you, and I need you to go and just do his mission to God. I think that while inside the bowling alley, this is some kind of purgatory place – it's also a real place that you can exit and then get in in a real Volkswagen and go on your way. Hmm. Because if they're ghosts, like the, but Vol- I, the green Volkswagen, like Yuri sees that, or we see that pull off before Yuri gets to the bowling alley. Unless the parking lot's part of the purgatory and the green Volkswagen's part of the purgatory. Oh, I think and- it is. I think it's all, I think none of it's actually there. Huh. Um, I, I think this is, I, I think Nikki's dead. I mean, Ray Wise um, is – he says as much where she goes, she goes, have you been here before? And she goes, the bowling alley? And he's like, oh, is that what you see? So, like – Right. I mean, also, Nikki's wound's not mortal. Not no, at all. it's not, but there's a lot of blood in that snow, um, and they're in the middle of nowhere. Well, they did decapitate that guy. Well, I mean, even under her body, like, there's uh, – she's got a lot of blood there, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the language later in the episode is – like with this questioning, oh, you were in the house the whole time. How did they put a mustache on him? Uh, um, like all of this stuff is adding up to me to be very, uh, very non-physical. Very, yeah, very I, that's that's the thing like, I think is compelling about it. That Nikki, um Although the other thing is like, if God is deliberate, is, is truly on her side, then she could do supernatural things without herself being supernatural. I and mean, Moses part of the Red Sea. That doesn't mean he's a demigod. Sure, it just means God yeah. granted him the power to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm operating right now under the assumption that Nikki and Wrench and Yuri are all dead. Yuri has been eliminated entirely, and Nikki is on some so the, the other psychic thing I, adventure. I, I don't get at is like this. So this myth of the wandering Jew. Mm-hmm. Do you do you wear like the whole blood libel thing with like the fact that the, one of the reasons the Jews have been persecuted over time is that in early Christianity. They got the moniker of the killers, killer of Christ, mm-hmm. even though, well, I mean, there, that, that's <laughs> that's stupid for many, many reasons. Okay, but the wandering Jew apparently was a Jew that insulted Jesus while he was on the cross, and he was doomed to walk the earth mm. um, for until the second coming. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that wandering Jew is part of this whole blood libel slur against the Jews, but he's also quoting all this Jewish tradition and stuff. And I'm like, is that Noah Hawley playing with fusing of the two concepts? Um, because like, I don't, the, 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 I don't think the wandering Jew would, well, maybe he would, like if he's a real character, if he's a real person, he insulted Christ and now he's walking, he'd still be, I guess, theologically a Jew and have more Jewish tradition. I don't know. That's that's the Are one you thing. Are talking it's... about Ray Weiss's character, Paul, yes. Paul Moraine? Yes. Because I feel like that's that's the missing piece of information here. I guess P- 
people are saying that that is literally that guy's name, right? Well, there's like there's all kinds of different. Like some people say his name is Malchus, and he's like the the slave of the high priest that Peter uh, lopped off the ear of during mm-hmm. the defense of Jesus and the rest of the Garden of Gethsemane. He's got like the one of his names is like Butchialb or something. Like there's I. I there, there's there's all kinds of different proposed identities for him. This is one of them. It's one of the more modern gotcha. or later later identities of the wandering Jew. Okay, but he himself is not a Jewish tradition. But everything he's hmm. speaking is very, very Talmud, Talmudic uh, Judaism kind of thing. And I'm wondering, like, that's a weird, you know, I don't I don't know. Hmm. I, don't, I, I I'm I'm I'm, tr- I'm I'm having a hard time putting my finger on why that seems like a a big contradiction or a dangerous thing to play with, but yeah. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of all I've I've uh, that's thing that's kind of all I've got. Now the other thing I guess is why was Paul Moraine out in Los Angeles protecting Gloria from yeah a creepy cop. That's a good question. Uh, one that I do not have an answer to. Do you? I mean, because you could open that to be like, was like the entire L.A. trip a purgatory for Gloria to kind of figure her shit out? Right. Uh, good question. I don't know. Uh, I also want to talk about Gloria being a goddamn saint because we—they're not even her and her husband are not even divorced. They right. go do Christmas with her and her husband's new boyfriend. Uh, her and her, and she's like super game. She's wearing the, the antlers. I want to move for on the bald move Christmas tree this year. Uh, we've had Daryl Dixon with angel wings as the tree topper. We've had the hound with angel wings as the tree topper. I want Carrie Coon with deer antlers as the tree topper for this year. Can we get a an action figure of her? Are I, there I, any? Hmm. I wasn't even thinking action figure. I was just going to literally get a, like a really nice professionally printed piece of foam board. <laughs> Okay. With her and the antlers and, and, right. put it, and, and tie it to the top of the tree. Sure. Because this feels like the year of the coon. It is. Totally. She's crushing it in uh, the leftovers, and she's not doing a bad job in Fargo either. Yeah. And we still got two episodes to go. Uh, but, yeah, I thought uh, I continue to enjoy her performance and her nuance. Um, someone is going to ask in the uh, email, and I want you to think about this, like, what what is her arc? That's That's what I was going to ask you just now is why show any of that? What do, what does it matter to this story that Gloria is going through this very recent, not even finalized divorce yet, um, and that her child is you know having trouble adjusting to it on Christmas? And I mean, what what is the point? Is it a little bit of like the fact that like you know one of the Jews' historical reps is they are a people without a home, hmm. they are wandering, and they and like Gloria is this person who is obviously a good person and she tries to do what's right but she doesn't have a place in the world anymore mm-hmm. her like literally her employment has been consumed and she's in exile inside this police department her husband like left her completely in the lurch and not just like you know i mean i imagine it must be pretty devastating to be married for someone and father child and find out that they never were even attracted to you at all mm-hmm. um and i guess there's like there's bisect there's like lots of spectrum that's that's probably an overly broad thing to say but you know that's that's got to be all things that you grapple with and and as a result she's trying to like forge a family with this great the stepfather that she's not really close to and i just man i wish that, that was... seems like there's something that you could like and, and have an analogy to this jewish jewish tradition of like not having a homeland and longing for that return in that promised land a place of belonging and family that mm-hmm. is kind of thematic with her and maybe that's what she'll do she'll she will somehow find a way to get peace and family and i don't know 
kill Mo Damick and take his place as the new chief of police. I, I, I don't, I don't know what her arc is, but I see a little bit of the sketches of what that could be. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. The man, I wish there was a better way to kind of reverse engineer what a creator is thinking when they yeah. create this, this art, because you know, in, in an electronic system, there are definitely tools and methodologies for doing so. Like in art, yeah. It's very different, and the knowledge sets you need to have right. are so broad yeah. um, and so unpredictable, right? Like, because it's, it's essentially... What do I not know that Noah Hawley knows right. He's that a is smart informing guy every that reads a lot of literature and takes a lot of uh, pop culture and is interested in religion? And mist- like, like right. you have to just randomly have degrees in the things that he's personally interested in season to season, and also an That's why the internet is... Of- is going crazy about this stuff, right? right? Because all now everybody's exposed to kind of all of that knowledge at right. once, and right. you know that's why you get a lot of insight um, and good insight into the themes and and stuff that this show is trying to do. And it's also why you get rampant lunacy in the speculation is because people yeah. who don't know about it are trying to build off a base of base of knowledge what? they don't have. Some dude nailed this whole Me wander- included. <laughs> Some dude no- nailed this whole wandering Jew thing. Yeah, yeah. like and the first appearance and said and made some pretty accurate predictions of what he thought was going. On. But like that seemed like okay because you never with Fargo it's frustrating because. You never know what's going to be just an Easter egg or an allusion to something or, uh, you know, like, for example, the, the the Ray being a cat is a multi-level uh, is a multi-level Cohen Easter egg because it's one of the themes of Inside Lewin Davis is right. that he is the cat and the cat is him and the cat is his identity that he's struggling to define and, and achieve in the world and. And get mastery over, uh, but it's also a stealth reference to my brother. Where out, uh, my brother? Where art thou? Right. I can't remember the two dumb fucks' name, but one of them thinks he's got turned into a frog, and he's uh-huh. you know like, are you in there? And uh, and I, I don't think that means anything other than just being an Easter egg, and I guess suggesting about this this insolment idea that they're playing with. But yeah, you don't know what's going to be that, and what's what's going to be the wandering Jew. That's but you end- do know that. Noah Hawley and the writers of this show were thinking about a very specific thing when they made these choices and right. trying to figure out what that thing is exactly. Is well, and, then, and also, how does this fit in with a Cold War parable that also right. has uh, applications uh, that's also a reaction to the Trump presidency? And the, the quote-unquote selfie culture that this is dealing with? And the like, selfie where does culture, that play in? Yeah, like these, all these influences that are, like if you look, like you can be like, oh, well, this is obviously about the 2016 election and aftermath. Right. Okay, but then what the hell is this Cossack Jewish stuff in here? Yeah. And the Cold War, and like, oh, this is obviously a parable about the Cold War with the brothers. Okay, but then what about the Jacob and Esau? It's, and, and maybe, and, and then this, the selfie culture, like, yeah, they've just barely hinted at that. But yeah, I don't even We got two episodes to go. Maybe it'll, the, the, it'll get blown wide open. Maybe. But that's the thing. Like, it's it's really – you just never know which thread to pull and it's going to be rewarding and which is just like, oh, yeah, this was funny because it was on a Coen Brothers film that one time. Right. <sighs> but I loved it. I thought I thought, <laughs> I thought it was great. And I, it's, I, I – the other thing is do you think this is the only – this is the only supernatural twist? Like, is this the UFO moment or is this mm. just – because – 
in the previous episode, the previous season, there was lots of hints to UFOs. Yeah, language and uh, writing and all right. kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then the UFO finally came. Here, it's like there's a f- an intense five minutes, like eight episodes worth of foreshadowing Jewish mythology shoved down the uh, uh, five minutes worth of audience throat. Uh-huh. Is that the payoff, or is that to set us up so we can get, like, I don't know, like, is like there going to be a burning bush that distracts Varga at the right uh, moment, and he gets ran over by, I don't a, know. A car that's flying through the air. It's shaped like a, that's got a ram on the hood, because it's supposed to understood <laughs> right. that that's a scapegoat, and it's carrying away the sins of the Stussy brothers. Like, what What the hell? Yeah. I don't know. It could be, maybe. I don't well, know. As soon as I get done with this, I'm going to post it on Reddit and see what they think. I am super interested in seeing how the confession plays in the next two episodes. Well, that's what now, a cliffhanger. What a great right, cliffhanger. It, it sets you on a trajectory where now you just have the clash. I mean, the, like yeah. all the pieces are there. Yep. Everybody knows everything. It's time to just go to war. And that's kind of what I'm the most excited about, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I make, And then, you know... Does Emmett make it out alive? Does Nikki make it out? Is Nikki already dead? Like, where do her and Wrench go into this? Where yeah. I also thought the other thing I want to talk about is there. First of all, even up to last week, I still getting feedback taking issue with does is Nikki genuinely love Ray? That's forever put to bed. Sure, yeah. Like even in the weird afterlife, she professes like she clearly loves Ray. I kind of thought it was before this, but yeah, I this did too. is the this final is like nail. the the nail and and the Nikki being a soulless carpet bagging. <laughs> you know, gold digging monster. Yeah. Uh, it is improbable that a woman, uh, that capable and hot would shack up with a parole officer. But I don't, you know, that's <laughs> things like, you know, you can invent a lot of things in a relationship that like, you know, maybe she has been ill used by men all her life. And, you know, Ray is somewhat noble and respectable and has treated her the kinds of like, who knows? Like, or maybe lot- it started as just a, Maybe a she was doing a, get, uh, uh, some kind of bridge based grifting con and she felt right. She, she, she caught she feelings. Yeah. yeah. It happens. Um, but I don't know that stuff. It's like with only two episodes to go, man, it, it's, it's going to be an insane final two episodes mm-hmm. because there's a lot of stuff to roll up and, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, one th- uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the significance of Gloria signing the divorce papers. Okay. Like I, when I first saw it and she was signing it and she was putting it to, so I'm like, why, why are you doing this, man? Your husband's gay. Mm-hmm. Like this is over. Just sign the paperwork and get it all over with. And then she ends up doing that, but she's interrupted by Stussy's confession. What are they trying to hmm. suggest here with Gloria? <sighs> she's burgling the divorce papers. <laughs> she's just making a burgle of it. Yeah, it's getting burgled. Uh, I, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's really anything. Like. Yeah. Those, I think those papers are going to go out eventually. The other thing that happened at the end of the episode is we've been talking about, like, who is right? Was Ray taken advantage of by his older brother? Was He does seem to admit it here. Yes. But, but he's in some kind of, like, alcoholic haze. Yeah, you know? he's, he's drank like, a fifth of whatever that stuff was. Or does he even accurately remember it? Yeah. It's tough to say, but he does seem to admit that he has feelings, certainly, that he feels like he took advantage of Ray. Right. Yeah. And he's a firsthand account. And, like, you know, maybe yeah. it's regret. Maybe it's because it's maybe it's the alcohol. But, like, you know, I'm a kind of a believer in, in you know, in vino veritas. Uh, 
<laughs> so or, or drunken words or sober thoughts. Um, uh-huh. So I, 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 I don't, maybe there is a little something to that. There's there Could is be. a lot of guilt yeah. and. You know, if you if you take the Esau Jacob thing, there is a good guy and a bad guy in that relationship, and it's true. Uh, you know, Emmett seems like he is the the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 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 all I had to talk about. Um, before we get to feedback, I want to uh, encourage you to check out our club offerings at club.baldmove.com. It's a great way to support the uh, the, the podcast. And if you like Fargo, you should know that the only reason we're able to do it. I mean, we're doing we're rolling three deep. Uh, and Fargo is certainly not the most popular as far as, 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 as in terms of sheer traffic and certainly not in terms of advertisements uh, of, of the offering. The only reason we're doing it is because we have the luxury of being able to do this as a full on a full time basis. We have the time to do this much breadth of coverage. So if you enjoy Fargo, um, uh, it would it would behoove you and you want us to keep doing smaller shows like it. It behoove you to support us at club.ballmove.com. And you get some cool stuff uh, as well. You get a lot of features you can check out at that uh, site. Uh, but we're including a free sample of um, one of our monthly offerings called Quip or Quit Your Pitching, where Jim and I uh, randomly generate fictitious titles for TV shows or movies sometimes. And then we take turns pitching what we think they would be about. Uh, what do we do? Do we go with uh, Dame Furry? Yeah, this one we're going to include is Dame Furry. This is a pitch where I think Dame Judy Dinch is outed as a furry advocate. Uh-huh. And can she change the public's mind about fur on fur sex and elderly <laughs> people banging? Can she? I don't know. I don't know. But we, we give it our best pitch. Uh, you can preview that content at the tail end of this episode. And if you like to see more of that's come, we got a whole episode of them. We do that every month along with a lot of other bonus content and ad-free feeds, and you can get it all at club.baldmove.com. And if you want to listen to this particular whole episode, guess what? You can get a free 30-day trial just by signing up. So check it out. Test, Kick the tires. See if you like it. Club.baldmove.com. Let us go to feedback. Uh, Eric in from Great View, View, Washington. You can send feedback into Fargo at baldmove.com, by the way. Uh, I asked last week what that thing that Moe's badge is on. He says the object Moe's badge on is called a citation holder. It's intended to hold the officer's badge as well as ribbons that represent various awards the officer has earned. Hmm. They're usually made by the makers of firearm holsters such as DeSantis. And he sent me a link to one where I could buy for five bucks. There are more common East Coast police departments like New York Police Department. I'll attach a photo of the NYPD officer wearing one. As far as which awards Mo is wearing without knowing one, is Holly accurately following a uniform regulations of the department Mo is heading? Um, or And two, seeing that department's uniform manual, it would be hard to tell since departments can make up their own awards, although hmm. some states have standardized valor awards that can be awarded to any serving officer in the state. Now, he sent me a link of a, a, a New York City police department that has like seven of these things above his badge. And it looks like and, – and I also saw that on the site that you could get like a single citation, a two-bar citation, a three – you can get like different sizes – and I wonder if Holly's trying to get at something that Mo has got a very large citation holder to only hold like one citation. Yep. And am, okay. I, am I supposed to like understand that this guy is a bit of a showboat? Like he talks his big talk about his his time out in the desert and, and what a military guy is, and and then he comes back in civilian life and he's like all ready to get a bunch of decorations and stuff, but he's all he's all hat and no no cattle, as they say in Texas. Maybe. I mean, or maybe he's just a very uh, optimistic it, guy. Yeah, he's ambitious. Like, I'm <laughs> going know? to fill yeah. this thing with commendations yeah. by the time I'm done. He what? seems like the former. 
Yeah, to me, he's a little <laughs> bit of a blow. He's, he seems like an idiot blowhard. He does, yeah. But uh, I, I, I wonder if we're that's just a, a sly illusion of that. Uh, Chris from North Bend, Washington. I went to the season really excited since I was both a fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Carrie Coon. However, while Winstead has impressed me and been fun to watch, I have to say that Coon was miscast. The character she plays or the way she's playing it seems really out of place on Fargo. And it does hurt me to say so since I, like you, Aaron, I'm a fan of hers. And she is crushing it on the leftovers. But sadly, Gloria shares most of the same character attributes as Nora. And I mean attributes. I'm not saying they're the same person. She's essentially playing a character with the same Nora melancholy, obsessive compulsive behavior with an underlying mean temperament who never, ever smiles. It's Fargo, for heaven's sake. Try some comedy. Playing a character so detached isn't working for me. Maybe she didn't get much to work with. The police situation is essentially the same as season one with her trying to solve the case while her less intelligent police boss throws up roadblocks as much as he can, so she seeks help from another cop outside her jurisdiction, a la Colin Hanks. I don't feel like I know Gloria any better now than I did in the first episode. She appears to be the only main character without an arc in the show, which is rather disappointing. And she wants to know, and he wants to know uh, if we think she's miscast or is this the fault of the writers or what? We talked about this a bit. I, I can't recall a line that she has said that would leave any opportunity for comedy. So miscast is maybe not where I would go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that character has been written I think some of the stuff she the, said to Mo is pretty dry. Just, you know. I suppose so, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. That's a, that's a tough thing. Maybe I have uh, a little bit of uh, Coon bias here because I like her so much and I think she's a really great actress. I do think the first half of the season, I... Even though the L.A. episode is kind of a showcase for her, I really mm-hmm. was kind of feeling lukewarm on her the portrayal of Gloria. Not her portrayal, but the character of Gloria Burgle herself. And you do have a little bit of like a, you know Abbott and Costello sort of thing happening with Gloria and Winnie, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want Winnie to be the kind of bubblier, yeah. um, a little bit more silly mm-hmm. at times of the two cops. And Gloria keeps, keeps things on track. Right. So maybe they, you know, they were planning on doing that and they were setting it up and Gloria needed to be this person. But And it could be that they're just a lot of the stuff is backloaded into the second, uh, the last two episodes. Maybe. Yeah. We're going to look back and appreciate her arc over time. They do clearly seem to be wanting to still do something with her. Right. Yes. Because to me, that's what the whole divorce thing indicates is there's more to this than just Gloria being a cop. And. As much as I like Carrie Coon, casting her is not instant magic. Like, yeah. Gone Girl, she plays Ben Affleck's sister, and she's just kind of Ben Affleck's sister. Okay. She has a great job of portraying Ben Affleck's sister, but it's not like you walked away from uh, Gone Girl like, oh, my God, Academy Award for Ben Affleck's sister. Right. You know, she's really good, but that doesn't mean that everything she's in is going to be amazing. Like, Anthony Hopkins is really fucking good. I bet Transformers is going to be a turd this summer. <laughs> You know, he's sometimes he just cash checks. So, uh, and that, and that, that's that's not to say that Fargo is is the Transformers or this is not a prestige or something interesting. But um, I don't know. Like I said, that's that's the best and worst case scenario. Best case scenario is next two episodes going to be amazing, or we're going to get right away why all this stuff. And you think about all. There's a lot of this character that's, that's iceberg, right? Like, what's up with the technology? What's up with the fact that her family's falling apart? What's up with the fact that her job's falling apart? Like, that stuff has all been developed, but nothing has come of it yet. Mm-hmm. So, it could be that it's just, there is no more there, but it could be that there's a lot more there. 
But who knows? Yeah. I'm glad she's we'll working. See. Because I feel like um, there was an interview with her and Alan Seppenwall where she's saying that not only has she got no new projects coming, but she's not even looking right now. Really? Uh, she's turned down a lot of stuff because there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, cop-type stuff and procedurals, and she's, like, looking for the, you know. Yeah, fuck that. If you've been on The Leftovers, like, what? That's you... where TV stars go to die. Yeah. Like, we're going to put you she's on like, CSI I don't... Yeah, Pittsburgh. I, I, she's like, fuck I don't, don't want to commit to, like, eight years of my life to something. So no. She's, so, but what I'm getting at is, like, we might be going into a Carrie Coon drought. Ah, that so sucks, we, we but... should we should drink up Fargo and the leftovers like coon camels, uh-huh. and store it in our humps because <laughs> we might we might be a while before we get get to the other side of this this uh, this carry desert we're going through. Uh, Spags from Milwaukee, you keep referring to the Gloria Burgle's effect on technology and it not working around her, but I think it's more specific than that. It's technology that detects if someone is there, such as automatic door sensors, automatic faucets, power towel dispensers, etc. Mm. I think this plays in well with her robot story, the divorcee story, and the other allusions to something that can be in two states at once, both here and not here, existing and not. Not sure what they're speaking to, but it's amusing how Gloria is both here and not, as shown by Vargas finding her and yet not existing at all online. So I think that's an, a good piece of, like, cautionary analysis that, like, we're going down to, like, oh, technology doesn't work around her, and yet they are trying to show her as Schrodinger, like a Schrodinger's cop. But there's a phone. Like, her phone never works. Mm, that's true. That's not designed to detect, detect people. people. No. It's designed to detach people from She doesn't have a Facebook account. I mean, that's and, not... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it sort of holds up, but not really. All right. Well, I thought you had a good point, Spags. Jim's just shitting all over it, but <laughs> I, I had your back. Shitting on it with facts. <laughs> what can I do? It's Jim Jones. I shit. That's, that's on your business card, right? I shit facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mara R. from L.A. For some reason, I get the feeling that YouTube, especially Aaron, might not like this episode because of Supernatural Factor. Taste it. I loved it. What do you think? <laughs> I've learned to stop worrying and love the fucking fish NATO. Uh, but for me, this was one of the best of the season, or at least the first half. I hope you feel the same. <laughs> it's more. I, I hate to tell you, but <laughs> Fargo's done in two episodes. This is not a 13-episode no. season. No. So it's we are in the, the back half already. Um, she might be in the first half of the episode, though. Ah, anyway, oh, okay. I do love it. I do, I do feel the same, Mara. I think the entirety of the first half, especially with what came before the first commercial break, could be its own short horror film. Mm. The lighting in particular made it appear as though we were watching this in a black and white, which gave an extra chilly vibe that I quite dug. Added the bowling alley scenes it's, with its outer-worldly neons and pastels, and the whole thing becomes magical in the most delightful way. This season obviously has relied heavily on the Big Lebowski references, so I hope that means we can set fire to the burn-after-reading ending. Um, I feel like I have Lebowski bias, too. Where I see more Lebowski references, therefore I think there are more. I, when in actuality, they're probably about the same amount. Yeah, for each. I don't. This seems like every ep- every season of Fargo seems like it's leaned on two or three mm, movies, like and this does yeah. feel like it's very a serious man and Big Lebowski heavy. Mm. That's not to say they don't reference Inside Lewin Davis or My Brother Where Art Thou or. You know, a simple plan because I, I think the Volkswagen was from a simple plan. That's what the weird ass private investigator dude drove around. I mean, I, I think also in the Big Lebowski, the private investigator oh, drove one right. of those. So right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I, it, 
I still think they're with all the mistaken identity and just the unfathomable, unfathomable pinheadry that we still could get a burn after reading ending. Imagine like, cause oh, cause you you in, you 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 introduce this outside agency, the U.S. Marshals, in this episode. And I could see like the U.S. Marshals reviewing this case of like all these missing cons, and they're died, and there's a parole officer involved, and they're like, "What the hell did we learn from any of this?" In like some D.C. U.S. Marshals Bureau office, and they're like, "Fuck if I know." And then there yeah. you go. Uh, I did like the fuck. It's like, does your patch say U.S.? It's like because we just we just got done doing the fugitive. The fugitive right. This guy's just like yeah. channeling, you know, U.S. Marshal Sam. What's his face? Gerard. Gerard. There's yeah. a little bit of Sam Gerard in him. Maybe that's how the Marshals are wired. Uh, Raylan was kind of ornery too. Uh, Noel from Dallas. Anyway, wanted to comment on something that Aaron said about not really understanding Ray and Emmett's petty rivalry leading to one of their deaths. As someone with three brothers, I can fully comprehend two siblings uh, that have some sort of bitter rivalry. I'm the second of four brothers, and I've always had disputes with my older brother. It doesn't happen anywhere near as much as when we were younger. I'm 29, he's 31, but there's still a bit of tension sometimes. It never got to the point where we were sabotaging each other's lives, but we did get in a couple <laughs> of fistfights. So I could see people like Emmett and Ray giving their circumstances, taking their rivalry to another level. I, I've got a mission for you. Go yeah. into your brother's house, change all of his paintings and all of his wall art to stamps. To stamps. And see if he understands. But see, that's it's not good enough. I'd have to do something deeply psychological to him. put a mustache on him. A mustache that's on deeply him? psychological. That's Someone snuck in and put a mustache on you with spirit gum and everything. Yeah, I do think it's it's sad because like brothers and sisters are a special relationship because they're great touchstones for your own person, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like you have very similar experiences in your life, and not only that, but like. One of the things I like to do with my sister, because um, my brother and I don't speak anymore, uh, but what I like to do with my sister is, like, we talk about old times, and then I get her perspective of the event that happened. Right. And either yeah. it either gives me a new perspective on it or validates my own, and there's no one else. Like, your parents are never going to have that, like, same memory of, yeah. you know, who you were and, and what was happening. And, and But your brother and sister, they, they are your peers and contemporaries. Yeah, they go. They 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 they're the soldiers that fought in the war with you. Um, and if you lose that, and I've lost, like I said, I've lost out with my brother, and it's 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 pretty painful. But uh, you know, with your you you murdering accidentally your brother, <laughs> I can see how it sends you into this like telltale heart kind of kind of. It's a hand reaching from the grave, kind of. Yeah, that thing. That's the other man. I got so caught up in Judaism that I also really liked Emmett when he grabs the secretary Madeline mm. by the arm, and she's like, and "You're hurt hurting me." And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he just yeah. completely changes his affect. That's so so Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Anthony LD. This week's episode of Fargo might be my favorite of season three. One thing that was especially appreciated was the way that Nikki flashed back to her last conversation with Prey. The audio of that conversation overlaying a close-up of her face I thought worked brilliantly. It portrays well how the human mind works through shock. Nikki really doesn't have time to process the proof of Ray's death while she's fleeing for her life. Mm-hmm. Her mind would be focused on survival. But when she does have a moment to process it, sound bites of the last conversation rings through her head. The scene reveals only snippets of the conversation suggesting that she doesn't have total recall because very few people do. However, it supports, in my opinion, that she did have at least some feelings for Ray. She wasn't just pretending to love him. Uh, also, I was happy to see Noah Hawley avoid the cliche of dream flashbacks. Much of my PhD was a study of human memory. One thing that dreams do not do is replay memories. 
Dreams might use remembered images to create new narratives, and dreams can process memories abstractly, but the human mind doesn't flash back while dreaming. Filmmakers make this mistake all the time, which is a convenient way to tell a story, but it bothers those of us who know how memories work. Hmm. Yeah, um, I can't recall ever having a dream that was just essentially a flashback of a memory. Yeah, like he, he actually asked us if we would talk about that a little bit, but like I don't dream very often, but like I, I entirely agree. Like I'll have a very vivid memory of a day I had in high school, but it's me as a 40-year-old man right. struggling like, what? Did I not complete a credit hour? Yeah. Why am I here? Why am I putting up with this bullshit? I'm an adult and I'm, <laughs> you know, I have to ask for permission to use the bathroom. Like, it's it's always that. It's not me reliving that day, you know, yeah. or like flashing back. It's always, you know, this situation and this person, but with my current understanding of it. Or... I had never thought about it until just now when he said that. But yeah, literally never had a flashback dream. But that's so fucking cliche. Totally, yeah. You know, and like, you know, I, I, I kind of thought when we saw Ray sleeping that we might be treated to something like that, but then we find out that he's he palmed the, the pills. Yeah. So, uh, all right. How did he sneak past Mimo? Uh, that's a good question, too. I don't know. The other thing I'm worried about the is... The same way Nikki snuck in, I guess. It seems Nikki like... I think she's not dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if maybe Mimo's just not on the balls we think he is. Um, too busy he's dancing. Too busy dancing to listen to music. Yeah. The other thing, it seems like Emmett is not too super, super careful about looking at what he's signing because he bought a mall that he didn't know he owned. Yeah. Why hasn't Varga just gotten power of attorney over this fool and gotten rid of him? He might need him as a cover. I mean, he might oh. want him as the front man for this whole thing so he can disappear he can, he, if things and, go wrong. Or he can take the fall when the right. the boom level uh, drops on him. Yeah. Um, do you think Varga's getting out, getting out, getting away this episode, this season? I'm trying to determine whether or not I think Varga is a real person at this point. Jesus Christ. Uh, you, so, you've not sunk that low, have you? Well, I... I mean, I would have said before this episode that that Ray Weiss's character was a real person, and they've totally turned that on its head. I don't think he's a real flesh and blood person. Mm. Um, he might he might be able to. I mean, you're right. Uh, appear they've... to these people as real flesh and blood, but right. I don't. I don't think he is actually like a human being. They've opened a lot of they've opened a lot of these nebulous doors. Yeah, and, and he felt like the, you know, the benign version of that spiritual uh supernatural being so maybe varga is the malevolent one yeah um he's the evil one yeah i don't know how i feel about counterpart i don't know yeah i don't either they've certainly explored with like uh you know lauren malvo's character in the first season like the idea of a supernatural killing force that's but still flesh and blood you can kill him yeah uh varga being like I don't know. There's also some like the other thing that I didn't mention in my Jewish research is do you remember I talked about when we we're talking about the the name Varga how there's like a there's a Slavic or Hungarian entomology that means shoemaker. Yeah. One of the canonical uh careers of the wandering Jew was a cobbler or a shoemaker. Okay. So yeah. like when you, you that just triggered the memory when you said that they could be like different sides of the same supernatural coin mm-hmm. like the benevolent supernatural and the evil like I wonder if I wonder if there is some kind of mirror image or some kind of balance that that they're, that that this uh, the wandering Jew is trying to bring to the force by eliminating Varga. I don't know. 
I mean, I'm I'm really kind of anticipating some kind of turn like that. Yeah, but I'm ready for it this time. Yeah, there's yeah. no way Noah Hall is going to knock me on. I, I might not like it, but I'm not going <laughs> to not like it because I don't see it coming. Uh, He's not going to knock my not not going to knock me on my rational ass this time. I'm ready for him. <laughs> I'm I'm the fish like he I, the unless the final episode is a wandering Jew piloting a UFO in the middle of a fish NATO, mm-hmm. I think I'll be fine. Nice. While two seven thirty sevens collide over Fargo, <laughs> that 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 might I might not be yeah that's your that. kryptonite you couldn't handle that's, that that's my uh, that's my uh, weekend meditation I'm just going to think about that possibility <laughs> until 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 you become one with it <laughs> and then I'll be disappointed when it's just uh, this was the weird episode this yeah. is going to be a conventional resolution that would be the drama. real unfortunate twist is if you end up hoping yeah. for something like that that never comes and I, I tell you what man like I said this Kabbalah shit is deep yeah. it's really like like you know Warhammer 40k kind of <laughs> really deep two mythologies yeah. I'm not interested in yeah right? but it's something you can spend a lot of time on Wikipedia reading oh I bet uh, okay, that's all we got for uh, feedback for the week. Uh, again, you can email us to Fargo at baldmove.com. Also, the forum community at forums.baldmove.com is ready to welcome you with open arms if you'd like to discuss the episodes there. Uh, if you'd like to follow us and stay up on the latest and greatest of what we're doing, of course, baldmove.com. Uh, our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash baldmove and at baldmove for Instagram and Twitter. That's it for this week. We'll be back for the final two episodes next week. Well, the final, the penultimate episode next week. They're not going to do a double episode. Are we sure? I didn't mean to imply that. But we'll be back for whatever episode there is next week. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.